My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will look back at Rangers' turgid 1-0 win over Motherwell at Ibrox and ahead to this Wednesday's League Cup quarterfinal against Livingston, also at Ibrox. Joining me to go through this is, first of all, Dave. Dave, how you doing? Hi, good mate. Just a bit over, come, over that existential crisis for Saturday. Yeah, well, it's um, we're just about to go through it again, so I'll have you depressed by the end of the show, mate. Don't you worry about that. Um, joining Dave and I is Tom. Tom, how are you, mate? All right, not too bad. Trying I mean, to bring a sense of positivity again, as always. But uh, uh, three <laughs> points and a clean sheet, Tom. You must be over the moon. I delighted. <laughs> and uh, joining Dave, Tom, and I is finally Kenny. Kenny, how are you, mate? I'm not too bad. I don't know what existential crisis Dave had on Saturday, but I had mine on Sunday. Oh, that's very true. I, no, Dave, Dave, um, Dave foreseen it on Saturday. He knew it was coming. That's, <laughs> um, listen, it's not going to be uh, blow for blow here. It's pretty much, I've got mm, four talking points, and one of the talking points is the goal. Um, two of the talking points are two substitutes made and the last talking point is the fact that Motherwell were laying siege on their goal for the last 10-15 minutes um, it's probably one of the worst games of football I've ever seen um, and I, I was going to say in a long time but I'm going to go for ever um, it completely uh, I mean it's three points it's a win, it's a clean sheet I know we can you know, kind of have a laugh and a joke but this, this is the reaction to this is just as damaging as a defeat. I've never seen anything like it, even after the Rangers win. The fact the players were booed off, I don't actually think the players were booed off. I think the manager was booed. I, I think that's what happened there. Um, we we are we are a mess, an absolute mess. And this game is one of the messiest uh, in-game management performances I have ever seen. And I've seen Pedro Cixinha do a lot of mad, mad things. Um, and look, let's just get through it and we'll, we'll, we'll see where the, the talking points take us. We'll start with the, the team lineup, Tom. I'll start with you. Butland, Tavernier, Davis, Golson, Barisic, Sifuentes, Lundstrom, Matondo, Lammers, Dessels, and Scott Wright. So, sorry, that, who was that last one again? It was Scott, the, the, the boy that we tried to punt to go to Turkey um, is actually starting. But the guys that we did punt, like Sakala, Haji, and Cholak, they're away, but right stays and starts. Fucking great idea, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I did raise an eyebrow at that, and that you know it was a Scott who what him? I thought that you know, I thought he was just a permanent fixture in Edmiston House now to entertain the fans at pretty much, but clearly not. He must have found a pair of boots from somewhere. That was a bit of a shock, as, <laughs> as you might have just got there. Um, but with the news that Tom Lawrence is, is um, you know, let's take him off for, just to be careful, turned into two or three games. Has now turned into two or three weeks by the sound of things. Made us a little bit short in the midfield, shall we say. So, yeah, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that that was as good as it was going to get, selection-wise. Yeah, it was, uh, I just, I, I, don't under, I don't understand it at all, to be honest. Um, the, 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 the score rate inclusion. Uh, I don't know what he's done to merit it. I don't know what he's he's um, been like in the training field, but the fact is, uh, Kenny, I'll come to you. This and, and by the way, this, this isn't me. This isn't you know beating a dead horse, Kenny. With, with Scott Wright, it's it's no fair to blame him for this. 
because it's really not his fault. But this was his first start under Michael Beal. Michael Bean, Michael Beal has been here for eleven months now, um, and this is after the biggest rebuild and since twenty twelve. I told um, it's it's just I, I'm just take over Kenny. I, I don't know what else to say. Here. <laughs> well, neither do I. <laughs> so, but look, hey, one. <laughs> I know. Look, what Scott Wright being in the team um, perplexed all of us, I suggest. Uh, didn't see that coming. And uh, listen, we're, we're all fully aware. Listen, and trying to keep a broader perspective on this, we're all fully aware that we're, we're struggling for numbers at the minute with the injuries that we've got. But Scott Wright, if memory serves me right, is a right winger for us. I know he's played on the left-hand side with Aberdeen. Um, and I think once or t- twice he played as a number 10. I don't ever recall him in all my days of watching Scottish football, seeing him playing as a number 8. Um, Rabi Matondo played umpteen times last season on the right wing. And we binned that idea and he stopped getting a the game there because he's rotten over there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he was out on the right-hand side and not on the left, um, where I thought if Scott Wright was going to play, that's where he was going to play him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 listen, I, what what is it? <laughs> what is it we're meant to do here? You know, we're, uh, what what are we meant to understand? Because as I say, trying to be fair to Michael Beale, we understand that he's short of numbers, and we understand that after the press conference yesterday that he turned around and said that Ruth and Seema are carrying knocks and he needs them for Wednesday. So, yeah, he's short of bodies, but come on. Uh, we we need something to hold on to here at this minute in time. Uh, and I think, I'm not just in this point, I think all of us, I think you, you heard the reaction again at the end of the game yesterday. I, I have no idea what's going on. I, that is all I can say. And I don't want to be like a drama queen or, you know, sit there and, be, you know, a moan for the sake of being a moan. I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what else to say. I'm just stunned that Scott Wright started and I'm stunned <laughs> where he played him. Um, it's, it's bec- I've said it already. I don't know if I've said it on here, but he's becoming a tinker man a little bit and it's concerning me, to be honest, Chris. Dave, does the phrase fling enough shit at the wall in the hope it sticks um, mean anything to you? Or have I just butchered that? Oh, I, I mean, we're not even flinging shit at the one. The was fell down. The was gone. I, I don't. I honestly, it's it's not so much trying stuff for the sake of it, or as Kenny says, tinkering. It's just the bizarreness of the decisions. Scott Wright for me is not really the problem. I think Scott Wright's an okay squad player, and he's never really let us down when he's been called upon. But he was fairly publicly bombed out. Similar lines to Matondo when Bill went out and bought four central area strikers, none of whom have really shown any great signs yet, and now we're relying on Wright and Matondo to add width to a team that he seemed to want to take all the width through. It's another big contradiction, and I wear just at that stage now, but he's just trying things and trying to throw a shape and a formation together, summed up again by putting... So he's put Scott Wright on to start for width, Matondo gets injured on the other wing. Instead of replacing him with Sima or even Roof to go out there, he puts on a centre-back 
If that's no fucking show you the wall, I don't know what is. If he wanted to try three at the back, just start with it. So what that did was then clip Scott Wright's wings because he's then been asked to play in a central area when, as Kenny says, he's an out-and-out right winger. So you bring the guy out of the house for the first time in 11 months, put him in the, the opposite side to where he wants to be, and then at the first opportunity, completely undermine his full skill set before half-time. It's baffling and it's right up there with the infamous Pedro three at the back of O'Halloran, Terrell and Halliday for just bizarreness on a football pitch. Right, I'm just trying to think of analogies there, Dave, that kind of fit your typical analogy. So Scott Wright's been grounded for a good couple of months because he smashed some windies and he's not allowed out, but we finally let him out, but he's not allowed out the front where his mum and dad can watch him for the windy. That's, aye, that's kind of what's happening. Aye, aye, aye. He's not like, like going in the corner to go and play football. He's he making the front. Right, must be thinking, why have you brought me here? You've brought me into the squad. I think it's one of the first squads he's made. Or you've put me out of position. Then the first opportunity you get, you've negated any kind of position that I can play in. What was the point? Why did they not just leave him in the house? Scott Wright was probably quite happy getting his weekends off and two holidays to Turkey here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just like quite a good job. Train for train four days a week. Get flown to Turkey on a club's expense. Aye. As I said, I'm not blaming Scott Wright. I thought he did okay with it to work with the weekend. The problem again is the manager and just bizarre decision making that's throwing players under the bus. Mm. Yeah. Tom, you mentioned obviously before uh, we, we get into the kind of action and in inverted commas. You mentioned that was a Tom Lawrence's injury. It was confirmed before the match that uh, he's going to miss the international break. And Michael Beale, with a Bealism, saying that by saying the international break, it makes it sound as if he's going to be out for ages. I'm sorry, Michael, between now and international break, we've got like four or five matches, so he fucking is out for ages. Um, stop trying to you know, insult our intelligence. We can see what is happening here. Um, and the fact is, we were told, as you said, Tommy was brought off as a precaution. Um, and hopefully everything will be okay, but it looks like it's it's going to be a medium-term injury, let's just say. Uh, so my, my, my issue with that is going to lead me on to something later on when it comes to precaution. Uh, Tom Lawrence, uh, we were told by Michael Beale, actually wanted to carry on, but we took him off um, for his own good. Um, so as I said, we'll come on to something similar to that later on, but Tom... At the end of the day, Tom Lawrence shouldn't have been a player that we're hanging our hat on this season anyway. He was out for a year last year, so he shouldn't be somebody that was crucial to the team. Yet, with his absence, we're fucked. Yep, and it's exactly that. With, with him being out, we're fucked. We, you know, we are so thin on the ground for midfielders. You know, and exactly as you just said, we're hanging our hat on somebody who hasn't played, you know, competitive football in a year. We're rushing him back. He's going to get the niggles because you know that's he's only human. And suddenly, you know, he's getting the knock and Bill's doing his, yeah, he's lying to, you know, he's not misleading us rather than lying to us, I think is the, the, the best way of saying that. What's the difference? It sounds better, basically. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, I'll take him off because it's two or three games. He said the same with Campbell and then the next breath it was, it's the international break. He's done it with Raskin. He's done it with, with Lawrence as well. Like, yeah. Just, and just again, to so to add to our woes, that's another massive injury crisis. Again, same as last year. What's an entire midfield missing? Yeah, it's um, it's not good. 
Kenny, in the 24th minute, Rabbi Matondo took a shot and hit off Cyril Dessers and Rangers go 1-0 up. Yeah. Hey, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. Uh, 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 Matondo was doing fine, actually, when he was on. He, he, you know, I'm saying that he was rotten last year in the right wing. He actually did well uh, yesterday in the, what was it, 35, 40 minutes that he was on. Um, yeah, Dessers, <laughs> right place, right time is the best way describe that um I, you know I, I see to be fair i actually expected us to kick on a little bit from there because we had we had started so poorly and you could see there was a reaction for the players they were delighted and whatnot and you thought well that'll give them a bit of confidence and they'll kick on a little bit and they'll start trying to express themselves and play some football and there was very little of it but um yeah Matondo did well for the goal. Dessers well, hit off him, didn't it? So, yeah, fair play to him for being in the right place at the right time, Chris. Not an awful lot I could say about it. It, it looked like a lovely finish from where I was. <laughs> but when I seen it back, it, was, it literally bounced off him, didn't it? And they had the cheek to do the Morelos. Um, right, so it's 1-0. Uh, Kenny, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of thinking hey, we'll kick on here, get a goal at a decent time. This has got a 2-3-0 victory written all over it. Matondo goes down, run about the 35-minute mark. I'm watching it on the TV, by the way. I wasn't at the game. Um, and Kevin Thompson is in the studio. Well, he's in commentary with Tom. And Kevin Thompson said, you don't like to see that. And Tom, being Tom, says, ah, player being down, no, you don't. And then Thompson went, no, no. He's getting the cruciate test. So straight away, I'm like, right, okay. If there's one guy who knows about cruciates, it's Kevin Thompson. And Thompson did then start talking about his history of cruciates. Uh, so that's kind of alarmed me straight away when Thompson said that. But then Matondo comes back on the park and he gets the ball a few times. And, and in actual fact, for, for any's that were obviously at the game and didn't get to see this bit of footage, um, it showed you the moment Matondo went down. There was no tackle. There was no impact. He passed the ball to someone and he's just bang, went straight down on the floor and then whatever a cruciate test is, that was performed on him by the physio, uh, confirmed by Kevin Thompson. He, he's off the park, he comes back on and he gets a few touches of the ball and you can't see him at this point. Obviously, you guys that were at the game probably could see him. But you can't see him at this point, and you hear Kevin Thompson and Tom Muller talking about it, saying he's no moving well at all. A ball against a ball gets then played through to him, where he actually has to run. And to be fair to Matondo, he does run, but you can tell he's obviously he's nowhere near a hundred percent, so he can't get to the ball. The ball goes out again, and he comes off. Fine. We don't know what it is at that point. It could be just a you know twisted knee or a, a, a you know strained knee ligament. It, it could be a minor thing. Um, so what what I'll do is we'll talk about the Matondo injury and we'll talk about the sub because they're two talking points. So after the game, Michael Beale confirms that it is a serious injury. It's going to be a long-term one. So reading between the lines when you take what Kevin Thompson said on commentary, again, I, I, I'll say it, a guy who knows what he's talking about when it comes to those kind of injuries, the fact that he's identified a test was done on him on the park to do with his knee that he called the cruciate test. Now, I have no idea what the fuck that is, but as I say, I'll take Kevin Thompson's word for it, a guy with a history of those those injuries. For, for him then to have returned to the park a couple of minutes later, 
and we're, then, we're, we're playing balls to him that's making him sprint and the, the guy can hardly walk. And then the manager before the game said that Tom Lawrence wanted to stay on, but we took him off as a precaution. So we've done it with Lawrence. Why, 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 what? Dave, make it make sense. I don't understand it. I don't know. I, I thought the medical team would sort itself out when Mark Waller came back, but it doesn't seem to have. Last year was a disgrace injury wise, and this season's carried on. And again, it's another example of Michael, minor example, but another example of Bill contradicting himself, where we take precautions with one guy and then we leave another guy on to make it worse. It's possible that he's damaged it in the first instance and if he'd come off it would heal and then he's went back out and for want of a better word fucked it fully when he's went back out the second time. It's unfortunate and it, it, it robs us of the only guy we've got with any real pace or who's comfortable and productive in wide areas. So it's another massive blow and leaves us hanging on in that area until January when hopefully a new manager or Beal, if he's still there, can try and bring in some width. But aye, it's another thing that just doesn't make sense. If he's if he's that injured, take him after a couple of minutes and assess him at the side of the park. It's Motherwell at home. We can cope for five minutes with ten men. There's no need to, to risk I'm not it. sure about that, to be honest. Well, aye, theoretically. But uh, aye. It's another thing that doesn't make any sense. And if he is out for a long time, as I say, it's a significant blow. And I cannot believe I'm having to say that about Rabbi Matondo, who's been the guy I've been probably most critically on this pod since we started doing it. Can I just say something, Chris, quickly? I, I did my ACL years ago, a long, long time ago. Uh, I'm not sure it was his ACL. It might be it might be medial ligaments or something like that. Who knows? But uh, it, it didn't look... The minute... Uh, I actually seen the incident, and the minute he tried to kick a ball, and it, it was very similar, strangely, to what happened to me, you just know that's gone, something's away, something's just not right. Um, so I don't know if it's his cruciate, it might not be that, but regardless to whether it's his cruciate or not, he'll be out for ages. <laughs> it's, just, it's as simple as that, he's out. Dave's right, but he'll be out for... A minimum, I would do, an absolute minimum, and that's if it isn't a cruise yet for about two or two to three months, guaranteed. I think. Kenny, I'll stay with you. I'm going to go through the Rangers substitutes, and I'm going to say each. Uh, I'm going to say each substitute, and I'm going to tell you how you can fit them into the team if you replace them with Abby Matondo, right? So give me your best uh, kind of on the spot managerial thinking. So Matondo comes off, and you replace them with Robbie McCrory. Can you make that work at all? No. Nah. Uh, Red Van Yilmaz? Uh, no. Nah, you couldn't mm-hmm. make that. Ah, you could. You could. The Johns. You need mm-hmm. to put Red Van wide, but you could make it work. Um, I would still say no, but uh, if you were being a maverick. I, I, I actually see what but no. I, I suppose you could try and make that work, but. Did John Sterling? Um. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, because you could put Tav where Matondo was, I. So, yeah. Bailey Wright? No. See, my thinking is Bailey Wright could have come on because you put him on and then move Sifuentes in that number 10 where you put Lammers out wide. That's that's what I'm thinking. Ryan Jack, pretty much in the same mould as Bailey Rice. Uh, I'm not putting a 16 year old out of position in a game like that, Chris. No chance, not for me. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just put a moment with 20 minutes to go whilst we're hanging on then. Uh, aye, aye, well. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> 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 
it would have been better to put him on at that stage. Uh, so Ryan Jack, uh, possibly. Yeah. So again, you the same ideal. Jack would come on. So Fuentes goes to the number ten. Uh-huh. Lammers goes out wide. Uh, Kamal Roof, obvious. Yeah, obviously yes, but again, I'll, I'll take you know, and I'm trying to be fair to Michael Bull here because we know how we feel at this minute in time. I'll take him at his word with Seema and Ruth and saying that he needs him for Wednesday uh, mm. more than than he did for yesterday. But again, that mental. is one of those kind of mental things where mental. he can't. He's contradicting himself, Chris, because he's come round and said the the three, the three points in the day has to be the most important thing. Um, but this is what I mean. That uh, he, he said this already before that the, the, the game that he's going to be playing is the the most important game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, but the league is always going to be more important than any cup tie. Uh, if you are concerned about even st- 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 with all respect to Livingston, but if you're as concerned about sticking even a st- second string out against Livingston at home in a cup tie, we've got bigger issues than I thought, to be honest. And that, that's not me trying to be disrespectful. We should have enough about us in that squad to beat Livingston, regardless to who we put out. What about Abdallah Summer? Yes, of course. Yeah, he actually got told to warm up and then was told Aye. to back down. Um, Zach Lovelace? Aha, uh-huh. you can see that uh-huh. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went with John Sutter, can he? Yeah, and... So let me just, let me just, let me just kind of layman term this and then I'll, I'll just, I'll, the floor is yours. He took off a winger at home to Motherwell when we're winning 1-0 to bring a central defender on. Now, everybody would think, he spoke about three at the back. That's fair. He's probably going to try it here. Tavon Borner will move forward. Tavon Borner held a position. We played three at the back. So we played a flat back. We played with a flat back five and we had Lundstrom and Sifuentes in front of him. We had seven players, eight if you include Butland, protecting our goal after 38 minutes at home to Motherwell. Yes, we did. Um, look, I, I can actually understand why you would think going to three at the back here and trying to protect um, the players that are on the bench that are carrying knocks. I, I kind of get that. I've got to be honest. I do kind of understand what his thinking was with that. But what my concern with it is, and I'm sure Dave, Dave will be sitting thinking similar when, when, when this happened, is... I'm looking at that and I'm saying, right, we've had a game on Thursday night. That finished at 10 o'clock. Friday uh, morning in particular would have been uh, a relaxation morning. They'd have been going in and getting massages and whatnot. There'd have been very little training done on Friday, I wouldn't imagine. So all the training would have been done on the Saturday and nobody but nobody's ever going to tell me that he's turned around and been coaching them to play with three at the back since the Betis game. So it's on a whim that he's done that, I think. And that's what concerns me about that. Uh, also, the way you play, if you're going to play with three at the back, you've got to have effectively a, one defensive midfielder that's playing much farther up. You're saying that, you know, about that, you know, the, the way there was a back five. It's not only that there was a back five, Again, Dave will tell you, John Lundstrom was coming to the 18-yard line to collect the ball. So it was effectively a back six at times. It was it was bonkers to watch. Uh, that's all I can say. To me, for me personally, I found it bonkers. <laughs> what am I watching? We've got three at the back and John Lundstrom's taking, <laughs> taking it off the centre-half in the 18-yard line. 
that, that the whole basis of a three at the back is that you, you will have two hold, you know, two two hold and then one stepping out, which means that your midfield go bust forward, the get forward. It's the only way you're going to get a three at the back to work is to be attacking with it, not to have that amount of you know defensive players. And again, I'm trying to be fair and say that you know uh, we're short of numbers. But there was attacking players on that bench, Chris, as we've just mentioned. So I, I can't explain it. I, I, I don't. I just don't know what what was what was going on yesterday. I genuinely have no idea. Dave, the 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 owner of the the, the mechanic workshop. Um, he works himself, and he's off. He's often sick with sickness and diarrhea, and his apprentice. Is doing everything. He's doing the MOTs, he's changing tyres, he's changing engines, he's having to do all the body work. He's literally having to be a mechanic when he's only an apprentice. That's what we're watching right now with Michael Beale, isn't it? And that's awfully hard on that wee apprentice. Uh, well, he at least knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's probably seizing his chance to shine. It, you're right, it does feel like that. It feels like he's his depth and I agree with what Kenny says it felt like a whim he's, he sent him out and then suitors appeared he's just went oh, fuck it I'll just try this it's bizarre but again you, there's been a bit of chat today on Twitter about the coaching staff and if you look at it you've got Harry Watling his first team coach was doing like non-league American stuff American football not American football but you know what I mean like the non-league they've got there that's not the MLS the guy Damien White, is it? Was it lower leagues? Like teams haven't Damien, even heard that. Damien Matthews or something. Damien Matthews. Teams have never even heard that. Marcroft Town or something. Like proper regional shit, not even in the pyramid kind of material. And Neil Banfield was basically semi retired after Arsenal. So he's got a kind of crowd of amateurs run about him. Whereas Gerald had guys who'd done a lot of hard yards in the academy system and who, who he could trust. It's amateur hour. And he's brought guys in with him who do not belong at a club like Rangers, who don't have a history or a pedigree at big winning clubs. We should be recruiting for our peers and recruiting staff at all levels of the club who are, quote, best in class. And that, to me, isn't the best in class. You've handed the the key job to a guy who'd only managed a relative handful of games down south with middling success and let him bring in staff who just do not belong at a club like Rangers. It's like running a Michelin star restaurant and hiring people at the local McDonald's to staff it. And that's who we've put in charge of the, the most important arm of the business, the, the men's first team. And that's where the money comes from. That's what people pay to see, and it's just absolute amateur hour. So I think you've been awfully hard on the wee apprentice because he's maybe got a future in front of him. But this crowd are just not up to snuff and he's the figurehead and emblem of that Tom let's talk about Bilbao let's talk about what that actually is <laughs> we don't know what that actually is people say that people always go oh, we don't know his style of play what is he trying to do I think the fact of the matter is this the mystery is over he's a conservative ultra defensive shape bag who will try and protect what he has or will try and get out of a game not to not he doesn't go into games, big games, I'm talking about, no games against Motherwell, big games, Celtic, European games, 
He doesn't go into those games with a mindset of, how can I win this? He's into the mindset of, how can I not lose this? And then when he's playing against the riffraff of your Motherwells and he's got himself a goal in front, the first thing he thinks of is to put another defender on. And the thing is, how can we hold on here? That's the pattern. That's, that is literally what we've seen consistently. This is a guy who came into this club, before he came into this club again for his second spell, he was on a podcast to say that he and Steven Gerrard would have beat Ange Postecoglou. He would have won the league. He then comes into the club and he says, I'm going to take the handbrake off because these players have been playing with a handbrake on twice. Twice he um, he badmouthed Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And I'll tell you this, right? You all know how I feel about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. I'm not even going to go into this, but I'm going to tell you this. See Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's style of football? It is night and day compared to this utter bullshit, this shite-bag approach, this just novice approach. I just said there that The Apprentice is the one who is going to be doing the MOTs. The Apprentice is the one who's going to be doing all the body work, that's going to be doing all the, the engine work and, and obviously the, the uh, changing the tyres, etc. I think the most apt comparison for me is it's not The Apprentice that's taking over for the lead mechanic it's the fucking receptionist because he's so far out his depth that he 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 will I, I don't even draw it I'm gonna just leave it at that Tom and I'll just I'll, I'll let you come in I don't think I asked you a question here Tom just just <laughs> ask a comment what is Bilbo describe Bilbo no having a fucking clue <laughs> I think to be honest, um, fear I honestly it's 100% I think that's the best word you can offer Fear. he's scared of getting beat now I think it's at the stage it's almost a and this might need to be an edit point can we use the phrase monkey on his back don't see why no. I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned, you know, in in this world. Um, yeah, it's he's frightened of getting beat. I think you know the the stick that's often used that he's never won, a, you know, a game that matters. Stanfast last Thursday is concerns him, and I think he's at the stage now. He, he he's more I don't want to get beat rather than I want to win, and I think that's influencing his thinking. It's just it's just bullshit. I think even saying he's a defensive manager is giving the whole thing too much credit. There isn't any sort of defensive organisation. What you said there, Chris, about a defensive manager sums up Diego Simeone. As we know, Atletico's my second team. And it is a defensive setup. Close the gaps, play, not to lose first and then try and win. And the fans get frustrated with that from time to time, but it's delivered a degree of success. I, I can't detect any discernible part in a play at all in what we're trying to do. I watched last week before the Betts game to try and get myself up for it. All the highlights of the European games back for Gerard Zira and Gio Zira. And I have to say, in Gerard Zira in particular, we were fantastic. We controlled games. We made very difficult to play against us. We closed gaps. The players were well drilled, really well drilled, knew their roles. There was third man runs. There was cover. There was pressure. There's none of that if he... We we'll just keep calling him he now, right? Because we've just got abandoned even giving him his name. If Michael B was allegedly the brains behind Gerard, Gerard must be a fucking genius if he was having to deal with this drawback and put a team in the park. Because I don't recognise any of what we liked about the Gerard era. And I, it wasn't always great, but you knew the team were well drilled. You knew the patterns of play. You knew what the roles were. There was an identity. It's probably the strongest identity I've ever seen as have in terms of like having a playing philosophy and all that's gone so that 
there isn't any dual ball for me. Every game, Kenny said it earlier, every game's just a random scattergun. We've played 4-2-3-1, 4-2-4, diamonds, fucking two sitters, one sitter. It's been different every week. There isn't any identity or any kind of dual ball. It is that, for me, as much as anything, is the thrown shite at the wall. Made it absolutely crystal clear. Look, I, I've written a blog, uh, I think it'll be out tomorrow, it's on Four Lads Had a Dream, right? But I, I actually go into this where Michael Beale was the first team coach. Um, and Eddie had pointed to this a few weeks ago where he had said, he'd read something on Twitter about Gerard had said to him, This is the way I want to play, go and make them play that way. Uh, and Dave's just said it himself there, right? We. Under Gerard, when he when when Michael Beale was coaching that team, that's as good as I've kind of ever seen, you know, organisation wise, structurally, um, on and off the ball. It's as good as I've ever seen them, um, you know, at that higher level. You know, it had its flaws domestically. We all know that, but when it came to getting that that. Uh, Space on the pitch against better teams that will come out and have a go at you. Uh, it was it was abundantly clear that Michael Beale could coach that team uh, to to a high level. Okay, and I'm like Dave. Well, where is it? Right, and it it goes back to the point you made five minutes ago, Chris, about his backroom staff, and I I, I actually have no idea. Why we are, uh, and and I'm going to say it as awful as we are. This team doesn't look coached uh, in any way. We've watched this team. We we, we can't hit set pieces. We can't defend them. We can't take throw-ins off the ball. We're a shambles. Well, how many times have we come on here and and mentioned the fact that we're losing goals against PSV because. Uh, you know, midfielders don't track runners. Sifuentes done it again yesterday. That was he did it on Thursday, and he did it again yesterday. And Jack Butland, the David clocked it. Jack Butland ran twenty yards to almost shout into his face. He just he lost the ball and didn't bother his backside. And you're sitting giving it. That's got to be drummed in. That's got to be. That's got to be drilled. That you know, you lose the ball. This is what you do. And the very fact that it's not there is is the biggest concern when it comes to bill ball, as you say. Uh, there is no bill ball. This is this is. I mean, Dave again. You said that that you know we've played with what have we done? We've played with three at the back, four at the back, five at the back, um, a four two four, a four three three, a four two three one. We've played a four three two one. A four-four-two with two up. To, it, it is mental the amount of chopping and changing that's going on, and it's in-game as well. On you go, Dave. How many formations did we play under Gerard and Bill? One. One. Effectively, two. Aye, aye, two, two at times. A variation been, of four-three-three. Uh-huh. Yeah. Slight tweaks. It was always the same. And as you see, we fucking knew we're out of a sixth or seventh formation. This month, never mind this season. <laughs> it's laughable. I'm sitting here when you said that, genuinely laughing because it's true. We must have played six or seven, maybe even eight separate individual formations since the start of the season. It is bonkers. 
And I don't, I just don't understand what's going on. And I'm trying. You know, you'll be the same, guys. I'm actually trying to figure it out. I don't see it. I just can't see what's happening. See, I keep saying I, I've given people the benefit of the doubt far longer than I would any other manager. I'm usually the first to, to crack. But you just can't anymore. There's no signs whatsoever that this is coming together formation-wise. I'm, 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 I'm a Dave there, Kenny. I'm not trying anymore. I'm just waiting for the crash and burn now. And, that, and by the way, I'll, 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 I'll qualify that by saying I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not hoping for it to come. I don't want it to come. I want Rangers to win, but it's it's the most obvious thing in Rangers history. This is this is more obvious than the fucking financial crash that Rangers had in 2012. We we are heading only one way with Michael Beale, and we, we, we are all just literally waiting on it now. I well, I'll, I'll ask you this, the simple question then, right? And I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you here at all. I, I think it's inevitable. But I'll, I'll ask you this question. You've got John Bennett, Bisgrove, whoever else is on that board at the minute, I'm not even, that's been chopping the changer as well. Um, I'm going to ask you, if, without a director of football, they decide that they're going to get rid, who's making the decisions to bring a football man in to run a football club? Who's capable of actually, I, ge- I genuinely mean that. At the end of the day, it's, it's, it shouldn't, in, in the modern game, it, it obviously does matter, but it, it shouldn't matter because David Murray didn't have a director of football. David Murray had no football men around him. He, he had fucking Martin Bain and Dave King um, and, and uh, obviously had Daniel Levy at one point, but he had no football men. He just had business men. But uh, this is my point, Chris, right? We have to get this into our heads right here, right now, that over that this summer, not only has Michael Wheel been in ch- pretty much in charge of the recruitment, and I'm not saying he's solely responsible, but he's pretty much been in charge of that recruitment. He's the one that was telling us that he's been looking into the whites of the eyes of these guys and he knows that they want it. Well, they might want it, but they need to be good enough to, to do it. Um, and the thing about it is, Chris, that he, he was also instrumental in getting Zeb Jacobs, the Youth Academy job, so he is effectively running the football side of things at this minute in time. And if he goes, what are we doing? Are we putting the B team manager back in again to watch his being utter? Is that much of an issue? I don't, that, I don't think. I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't think that's a reason to keep him. Though I'm willing to take. No, that. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm not saying it is. My point is that if you're that board of directors at this minute in time. What the fuck do you do? Seriously, what do you do? Because they, they, they have literally put all their faith, all their trust, all their eggs in one basket, mate, and that is the issue. But can you actually think about it, Kenny? They've done that with a guy with 20 fucking managerial matches on his CV. <laughs> yeah, How that's, that's my point. Right. See, see your point about Murray there, right? I, I take it, but it was a different era. It's unthinkable that there's no a football man or a football voice advising well, listen, that board. Listen, I agree. I agree 100%. There obviously should be, and, and, and there 1 million percent should be. I totally get that, but I just don't think that's a reason why we shouldn't make the decision. Well, oh, no, absolutely not. Oh, no, absolutely not. Here's my suggestion for you, and I know Chris and Dave will not, and Tom as well, actually, won't like this, but this is what my suggestion at this minute in time would be. I've just alluded to it, right, that we know Michael Beale 
can coach a football team, right? Mm, and he, know. <laughs> uh, you know where I'm going. But the point I'm trying to make about this is we need a director of football in there almost immediately, like right now. And I would change his job description immediately and say, no, you're coaching that team. You're the first team coach. You're the head coach. Get them coached. Make them a better team. That's what you do. But I don't think he can do it. I, I think he can. I, I genuinely I think proved he can. But uh, how's he proved he can? though? I don't understand. I, I don't because, think he's got a boy. Because he's pro- he, he, listen. We all know that he, he he coached for Gerard. That's what he was. The first so team did, coach. So did so did Kilshaw. So did McAllister. So did yeah. But he was the head coach. Nelson. That's effectively he was the first team coach. He was coaching them. Uh, this is who we're playing on. Thursday. This is who we're playing on Sunday, he, and as I say, the, that that gives into a bigger issue where we, we proved over the Gerard's piece there at the time here that he, we struggled domestically. So what makes us think that this was going to change under Michael Beale? I'm not quite sure, but I wanted him to get the job. I am sitting here the same as you you guys at the minute. I I have no faith left in this guy. The only the only faith I have in him is that he can coach a football team at this minute in time. No faith in him as a manager at the minute. That's what I mean. I I don't even have that faith. I, I think if you put him into the under-18s, he might do a decent job. But um, he's, he's shown that he can he cannot coach a professional football team to the standard he thinks he can. I think in his head he thinks he can do it. I think people have got this perception that he was the brains behind 55, but why Why? Why was he the brains behind 55? Because people were telling us. Where, where was the actual um, evidence of that? Because the more I think about this, we didn't give Gerard anywhere near the credit he probably deserved because the identity that we had under Gerard is... You've just said it yourself. We've had five, six formations in the past couple of weeks. That so where did that where did that um, that, that technique go with Michael Beale in the last eighteen months? If he was so good, kind of eighteen, twenty-four months ago at coaching Rangers, not as the manager but as the coach, why did it just disappear all of a sudden when he became the manager? It's he it, simply sold as uh, a dream. We, listen, mate, we also heard that from the Aston Villa players, they all said that as well, that he was the main man behind the scenes. He was the man that was doing all the work. He was the the guy that was setting them up and stuff like that. We do know he can do that, Chris. We genuinely do. He's done it with Rangers. He's done it with Villa. Uh, as a coach, is my point. But uh, my, my this, question to you, Kenny, is if you changed his role, why does that change? Why, why does that change his? Why does that make us better? No, it's not going. To, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not suggesting that at all. What I mean is that, that there is an evident, there is a genuine inevitability about this. Okay, we all know it. We can all see it. Um, you you don't recover from the way that the, the, the fans see him at this moment in time. You just don't. You can't. It's not going to happen. It happened with with Gio last year and. For all that, uh, I know you you like Jill. I think people are forgetting we were all sitting there. Fifty thousand is all sitting there giving it. This is fucking bollocks. We will never last year. After that, would you? Oh, no, we weren't. To be fair, but Gio had credit in the bank, Chris. This guy's got none. 
Gio did have credit in the bank. He took us all the way to European final, had us competing in the league without, you know, ever looking like winning it. He did have us competing up to a point. It was that in the last, you know, three or four weeks that killed him off. Um, and as I say, I'm not, I, listen, I, I, I'm just ranting here. I've not got any answers. I'm not suggesting that, that this is what should happen. I'm just saying that if, if we are sitting there at this minute in time, you know, without a director of football, we, we, we are stuck between one massive rock and one tiny hard place. We're, we're going nowhere. This is what I'm trying to say to you, that we have to get this into our heads, that that board's not going to get rid of him at this minute in time. There's just no way they can, because, you know, ultimately we will have no football department leadership whatsoever. Absolutely none. And we're a football club. That's how bad it is. Do you know what I mean by that? I don't know if I'm just on a rant here and getting emotional, but that's where we're at, Chris. I know, I know, I know what you're, I know what you're saying, but it's I, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't entirely agree with. You. I don't think it's a reason to keep him. I think, I think that. I, I'm not saying we should keep him. I'm telling you that the board's going to keep him. I'm certain of it. I mean, I can't disagree there because it looks like the it looks like um, that is going to be the case until until the inevitable crash and burn comes. Because any decent modern football club who likes to view themselves as a big club, which Rangers should, but uh, we clearly um, don't because actions speak louder than words. They're proactive. Football clubs are proactive these days. All the big clubs, every one of them, as soon as it starts to, as soon as the trajectory starts to go down the way, they make the change at the very first point of obviously um, the downward spiral and then there's obviously that wee bounce and then hopefully they get lucky I mean because it is luck it's a game of luck now when it comes to managers there, there, there is you can have all the plans in the world to put in place and all the philosophies and, and all the departments but at the end of the day you, you there is no guarantee of success unless you've got an, a, an endless pot of gold which obviously the Rangers don't have but we have to be a football club that's got plan A plan, plan B plan C plan D plan E and we have to be a football club that is proactive and ready to always be successful and on the front foot and we aren't we aren't we, we're a football club for the last couple of years that has accepted that we are second best in Scotland now that's very very tough to say but as I say the proof is in the pudding but is that something that you would disagree with there Kenny? No I mentioned it in the blog that's coming out tomorrow about the standards being lowered actually um, and what I was going to say, say to you Chris is that I, I agree with you what you're saying 100% but we've got a board of directors. We've got a chairman, a new chairman that's just about to become, he's retiring, he's going to become full-time, right? We've got a CEO that's never done the job before. And we've got these guys in place that over the summer interviewed directors of football for the position and we didn't bother hiring anybody. So that that's where we sit at this minute in time. And that's a that's a grave, grave error. That's what I'm saying about putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's where we sit as a football club at this minute in time with what we genuinely feel was the inevitability of a manager that, uh, in terms of the position, is a dead man walking in the, in the eyes of the supporters. And a, a, a CEO that didn't feel the need to bring a director of football in, mm. that, that's just mental. 
this is what I mean. There's there's no link, but you know, and but you know, there's no link between them. They are the link themselves. Biscroft and Beale are the link. There should be somebody in between them that makes Michael Beale answer the questions that need answered, and goes back to the board and says, "Well, this is what he thinks." Yeah. Tom, I'm just wondering if we'd like to get Tom and Dave's input at some point today as well. <laughs> I'm sure Kenny and Chris haven't had the light the whole time there, but you know, my sorry best. guys, <laughs> it's okay, Kenny. Quite all right. See, that's the thing. I don't think Bisgrove's a football man. He's not a football man. I don't even really get the impression he particularly was a fan. And I think he's at his depth as well. And there's nobody there advising the board. Chris said it. A, a proactive club now doesn't let it go this far. We all know. We've seen this movie so many times in the last 10 years. It goes to shit. They cling on. The shit has to hit the fan completely and utterly before we make a decision. It seems to be a kind of retro legacy British football thing. We have to wait till this guy's definitively cost us. It doesn't even cost us thirty million. It costs us thirty million plus because not only do we not get the Champions League money, our biggest rivals get it, and we get this difference. So the actual difference in the balance sheet's closer to forty-five million because you'd add back the Europa League money. We've got to wait till that's done. It's like that apprentice mechanic. We've got to wait until somebody crashes, the the brakes fail completely and they, they're seriously in a crash before we sack him. We can see it coming, but they won't do anything because of this weird attitude of oh, I can't sack a manager that's winning. A proactive modern board would be looking at the stats, looking at the data, looking at the performances and going, actually, do you know what? This is going to be a mutual termination situation, Michael. Out you go. But they won't. Tom. The half-time whistle went, Rangers ran 1-0. Um, oh, fuck, we're only at half-time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're only at half-time. <laughs> Fucking hell. We right, okay. get more out of this than I thought this we is would. actually longer than the game. No, listen. Um, the, the, last, the last two talking points is... Uh, I'll come to you, Tom. The fact that we're now openly mocking the integrity of the Rangers manager is just something that I've never experienced in my life, even with Murray and Pedro. Um, it, it's it's like an open, big, dirty, gaping, open secret that we all know is the truth, but we don't always like to allude to it until the truth stares you right in the face. And in the 78th minute, that happened, that reared its ugly head. When Bailey Rice was brought on um, in the 78th minute for Jose Cifuentes, and literally three days before, Michael Beale stated that we need to protect Bailey Rice at all costs because Ibrox can be a right hostile environment at times. And he brings him on, a 16-year-old kid, he brings him on in a 1-0 game with 12 minutes to go, and we're literally under the course. Now, do not get me wrong, Bailey Rice, Sean, uh, Sean sorry, and that kind of 12, 15 minute cameo, but for a guy who likes to pride himself in his body of work with youth co- as a youth coach um, and bringing, on, uh, bringing through youth players into his professional game, that was a right nasty um, that was a right nasty move by Michael Beale and Lawson. I know it sounds a bit personal, but the, the, that could have went, that could have ruined that young boy. He, he gives the ball away to a Mullerwell player, they go score the equaliser, loses Michael Beale's job, the place fucking erupts. He'll be remembered um, as the guy who'd done that and he might never have recovered. But don't get me wrong, he done well and Beale could, could turn and go, I've done the right thing now. <clears throat> but I'm sorry, 
when you're contradicting yourself, when your when your words are are so different to your actions, and there's a sixteen year old boy involved, <clears throat> that's no leadership. That came across as cowardice to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the biggest the biggest takeaway is, as you said, the the comment three days before. You know, Ibrox is a madhouse. I've got to be careful how I treat him. You know how Tom, how we bring just, him on. I just came in here as well, Tom. Sorry, if, I, I'm on, I'm sorry if I'm on a bit of a run here, but obviously you came back in after this. His comments about Bailey Rice were premeditated. Not even asked him, so he had that in his mind to say that. Yeah, he he made himself look foolish again. You know, it, I, I didn't realise the comments were, were um, premeditated. To be honest, so yeah, if he just said nothing, brought the kid on. You know, there'd have been an eyebrow raise, you know, because, you know, you're bringing a 16-year-old on and I'm well aware and I do I do agree with the phrase, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. You know, um, Sir Alex Ferguson certainly proved that, you know, going way back when. And I'm certainly not saying Bailey Rice is at the level of David Beckham, Paul Scholes, you know, you know that, that, that certain class. But, yeah. Do, um, again, Tom, I'm coming in. Bailey Rice is closer to David Beckham and Paul Scholes than Michael Beale is to Sir Alex Ferguson. I just want that clarified. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a baffling decision to, you know, to to, to bring him on. And as you said, it, had he made a mistake, because he, you know, he's a youngster, and he will make mistakes in his career. It could, it would, it could have crucified him. You know, Ibrox was awful at the end, at full time. Never mind, you know, had had we dropped any points. So yeah, it would, it could have gone really badly for the guy. See that, just to add to that, it was also an un- a completely unfamiliar formation. Another thing that's been made big by the club is all oh, one club philosophy play the same way at all levels. So Bailey Rice is supposed to have been playing in the same formation so he can adapt to the first team. He gets flung on to fuck knows what component of that 5-3-2, whatever it was. By that point, it was just a rabble anyway. And he's been asked to go on and help us see out the game. When uh, Fuentes hadn't picked up a knock, or visibly hadn't picked up a knock, ridiculous decision by Bill. As you say, that could have fucking ruined him. That could have been the death knell of his career. If he makes a howler and the place erupts, that's it. I, go back to a game years ago. I was remember I was at Mo Rossi's debut at Dundee and he talks about it in a podcast how nervous he was because he was fair Dundee and he made two mistakes in the first five minutes and the fans never, never trusted Mo Ross. He was always a whipping boy. And that, Mo Ross can admit to himself, can have turned his career. So one minute we're protecting the boy, and the next minute on you go, wee man, this is a fucking absolute bin fire, and we're probably going to get booed off regardless, but on you go and see the game out for us. Nonsense, Fabio. Kenny, the game finished, uh, we were very lucky to get out of there with a the win, but we got out of there with a the win, the game finished 1-0, the fans are booed off, Bill's raging post-match. Um, I'm not going to go through everything he said, um, but I'm going to bring up one thing. Um, he said keepers make saves. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, look, it's just as well he fucking does. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. Do you know? I, I, I've already thought this, um, and it's my kind of worst fear at this minute in time with Jack Butland that he's watching this shit show in front of him and went, "Ah, what am I doing here?" And he'll be away rapid. Credit um, to Butland. I don't think he's that type of character. I think Butland. I, I think he'll stick by us, but I wouldn't blame him if he fucked off the first chance he got. I, 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 sorry, Dave, on you go. Do you know who I worry about with that exact attitude? Cantwell. I, I, I don't care. Uh-huh. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care. 
if Cantwell ever wants to go, he can go. Yeah. But if he has shown poor Todd, but hi. Man, I think he's I think his behaviour over the last couple of weeks has been a wee bit below um acceptable standard. Um, well, but, I, I'll tell you something, Chris. I think I, I think I, the 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 whole uh lack of discipline. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's it. They're all running. They're all running free reign. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's a lack of discipline, and it it just alludes to things not being right up there. Exactly. And but Butland is the only one that can look himself in the mirror and go, "I'm behaving correctly and I'm performing correctly." He is. Butland is literally the only one that I would miss for this Rangers team. Well, I I, I would disagree with that. I think. Todd Cantwell should be integral with it, the way we play. And I think Todd Cantwell is probably a little bit frustrated about possibly probably where, he, where he's getting just I'm no hating shot on, on from a great height, actually. Just getting, I'm, no, I'm no hating on Cantwell. That's not what this is about. I, th- I think he's made a bit of an arsey self over, over the last couple of weeks and, and his whole stick has just got a bit tiresome. Um, and that does come from a lack of discipline, not just with the management, but in the dressing room. Uh, but I mean, we're clearly missing him on the park. Of course, we are. Not even just for a, a performing point of view, but for an aesthetic point of view. At least when you've got Cantwell on the pitch, he's, he's capable of those moments that actually makes you excited to watch Rangers. Uh, it's it's just there, there is as Kenny as you alluded to, there's something seriously wrong at Ibrox and, and at Auchinhoe. Um and and Cantwell, to me, in my opinion, has has he was already a enigmatic type of character anyway but he, he's he, I don't know I don't. I, I just feel as if he needs to rein himself in a wee bit there um, he's, some of the issues that he's getting with the abuse he's he's not helping himself with um, calling out Rangers fans on Twitter and stuff like that it's just come on come on Todd like don't become that guy um, and I think I think my point here when it comes to Butland and, and bringing up that quote for Bill is um, Bill sullied the reporter's question are oh, but goalkeepers make saves, that's what they do. And I'm sorry, Michael, but if if your goalkeeper hadn't been doing his job, um, you'd be at a job weeks ago. And the fact is, your other players are the ones not doing their job. So do not take the piss, essentially, about the one player that is performing for you. I thought that comment from Bill lacked class and it's uh, look. Let's just let's just put the cards on the table. I mean, it just we'll go on the table here. I'll start with Tom. Tom, it just it just simply has to go. The fact that we're all raging after a one no one. The the fact and by the way, this is a, the 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 third consecutive win since the old firm defeat. The third consecutive clean sheet. Um, so it's not as if we're on a bad run of results. It's three wins out of three. Um, but the fact is, we're all raging. The fans, fifty thousand Ibrox are raging. Uh, just about every uh, fan media at Rangers is raging. Just about everybody on social media, uh, it's a Rangers fan is raging. There is a very quite a, a, a um, there, there is a, a minority who are dissenting. You can hear they've got quite a loud voice within that minority, but they they can't they can't tell you with any substance why Michael Beale should stay, other than no surrender. We are the people. That is literally their argument. And Tom, you might, and I'm not even being disrespectful. I think you can probably admit that yourself. You might fall into that camp. You you've even said it, it's pure blind defiance. So that's why it's good to have you on with us. But it's so untenable, Tom, that he he simply has to go because the fans. 
they've not just turned. It's they've turned turned back around and turned again. It's 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 I've never known anything like it. And as I said, it was pretty nasty under Kick Senior. It was pretty nasty at the end of McLeish's run. This is this is a whole new level to which I'm 33. I've been a Rangers fan for quite some time. I, I don't remember it ever being like this. And there only there's only one outcome that changes the mood of the Rangers fans almost overnight. And uh, to Kenny's point, Tom, it doesn't look like they're going to do it. Probably not. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's that bl- the, the blind optimist image who says, you know, I want to give him the chance. And by I the way, to, you know, I wasn't like I wasn't being disrespectful to you. Oh no, 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 no! I take it the way it was intended, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's we're grinding out results. It's not pretty. It's not attractive. It's fucking awful. Let's you know. Let, let's not kill the lily. But I just, I think you know, I really just want to give him to December. You know, almost set the target of still in Europe, still minimum four points behind that lot. You know, for, it, you know, four points behind Celtic in the league and win the League Cup. If he hasn't got that by, what, I think 16th of December is the League Cup final. If by then he isn't at that level, then we look at we look at getting rid of him, we get a new manager in, and we've got the January transfer window to get it right. Dave? Nah, for me, he's got to go. I think the fans have completely lost all respect for him on a personal level, which, as you say, never seen it before. Uh, I think we all knew McLeish was a good man and out his depth but it was toxic then and David Murray didn't do him any favours I think most other managers we've, we've kept faith with even though we've wanted them out but Michael Beale's just consistently undermined himself and undermined our intelligence with his, his comments and his decisions and the football is so bad with no signs of turning it around that it just we know it's not going to happen. The season's still salvageable. Weirdly enough, I put a bit of stock in things like expected points, XG, tables, that type of stuff. The league's still winnable. The underlying stats are telling us the league is actually still winnable. Now, there's a bit of caveat to that because we've had a more favourable run of fixtures than Celtic. But the underlying numbers suggest that we're good enough to beat teams and this is how we're playing. So if we get a manager who can up the level a wee bit, the league is conceivably winnable because Celtic don't exactly have their troubles to seek on the injury front and don't look quite as slick as they did under Postacoglu. So the season's redeemable and that £45 million difference is there to be to be won. And it needs to be done early because we can't wait, as I said earlier, until we completely crash and burn. Because by that point, it's seven, eight points. We've not won the League Cup. We're out of Europe and then we make a decision, and it's another wasted season where we go the back end of the season with absolutely nothing to play for. So, decision needs made soon, and we need the club to step up and take it, but they won't know until it's crashed and burned. Kenny? Director of football in uh, as quickly as possible. Let him uh, sit and uh, analyse the situation. Um and he won't go until that happens, Chris. I'm I'm absolutely certain of it. I think uh, I'd go as far to say that if we if Rangers Football Club don't uh, actively see you know a, a director of football um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, I'd actually say it's it's almost like a dereliction of duty. It's negligence. We we need 
that go-between uh, because it just feels to me, and it's again, I'm not trying to be personal, it just seems to me that Michael Beale doesn't need to answer to anybody uh, at this minute in time, and that's wrong. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's got Biscroville answer to it. I, I, I fully appreciate that, but there's no football man there that can question him. Uh, and that needs rectified, and I genuinely don't think he'll be going anywhere soon. Particularly, you know, and being fair to him, uh, on the back of three consecutive wins and three clean sheets, um, winning ugly is part and parcel of football, Chris, and, uh, you know, we've got to be realistic about it. There's no board of directors who's going to sack a guy that's winning every week. They're just not going to do it. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens. I I think I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but that 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 tells its own story. Uh, listen, I almost forgot we're playing Wednesday. We're playing Livy in the quarterfinals um, at Ibrox quarterfinals of the League Cup. Get along if you can. If not, you can watch it on the telly. Um, Andrew, yeah, Pi Sports. Well, that was delight to come into and uh, and talk about our fun, exciting offer for everyone. That was my preview of the Livingston game there, by the way, in case you missed that, Andrew, because it was over pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we we talked far too much about a game that Tom summed up in two sentences in our group chat. Um, so, um, I can expand on it. Uh, David Martindale's our manager. They're playing a plastic pitch, but they're playing at Ibrox on Wednesday, and they've got a big guy up front called Nibley. Uh, Andrew, on you go. Great. Okay. Uh, so, if you've been listening to the pod, you know we are being sponsored by Pi Sports. We currently have a discount code, uh, SAT at three, that's SAT at three. Um, that will get you 10% off any pies that you purchase through Pi Sports. The link is in the description. We are also running a competition for Pie of the Week. So, you, the lovely listeners, nominate a person or group of people who you think are deserving of Pie of the Week. This is a negative thing, not a positive thing, has been, has, has been patiently explained to me. Um, so, yeah, we want your nominations. The winner of this competition, um, which we decide month by month, will uh, get a free order from Pi Sports. Um, I can highly recommend them. I think a number of the guys on the pod have uh, sampled their wares now. And it's probably the thing we've praised the, the most this season so far. So, um yeah, encourage you all to uh, contribute, nominate your pie of the week, and uh, you're in for the chance of winning some pies. And that'll bring, hopefully, a little bit of light to your life because uh, Rangers probably aren't doing it for you at the moment. Yeah, so get your pie of the week nominations in, uh, usually over on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, we are on social media. Um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, you can get us in all good podcast suppliers uh, such as Amazon Music, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, your know, support is always appreciated, um, especially when it's no fun to talk about Rangers because uh, it certainly isn't fun. Um, and all that kind of remains for me to do is thank the guys as always. So Kenny, thanks very much. It's a labour of love, I know, but thank you. No, thanks, Chris. And it was... Thoroughly shameful being pulled up by the heady, wasn't it, Andrew? <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> See, I was um, going to cut that whole bit out and let you just get away with without it <laughs> even being a thing there, Kenny. But now I'll have to keep it in. The shame will remain. <laughs> nice one. And uh, Tom? You did make me feel about 10 years old right now. I'm sorry about that, Bob. Yeah, fucking hell, Kenny. We're going back 60 years. Oh, 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 here, here. <laughs>
it's cathartic. I think he, uh, you know, no, no matter the result, it's it's just it's a yeah, it's it's a form of therapy. People pay thousands for this. But oh. thank you anyway. <laughs> and uh, finally, Dave. Um, Dave, I was we were obviously talking in the group chat earlier. Uh, I lost you for a period of time in pre-season because you went on the positive bandwagon. But I feel as if I've got you back now. And uh, uh, I you. I've been in the island myself. I tried my best to be positive. I get roundly mocked and my various social groups for being so negative all the time. And I thought, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see how it goes during the summer. Believe that Dessers is near a fucking cart horse. Believe that Sam Lammers is actually a football player. That Abdallah Seema might be half decent. But I've been completely and utterly disabused of these notions. And I'm back as negative and manager out as ever. And aye, I'll not be doing that again. You're more analytical, you're more true to yourself when you're negative, Dave, because do you know what? I wasn't even planning on doing this, but do you know why you shouldn't be positive? You literally tipped <laughs> Sam Lammers to be signing of the season. You just stay away from the positive shit. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's, uh, that's my epitaph on the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, Dave, stick to lifting these sandbags. i seen you on Insta the other day. Gee whiz. <laughs> Aye, I, I know. It's... That's the weight of my troubles with Rangers. I was impressed. That's a metaphor for that. (laughs) That's a metaphor for carrying Rangers about with me, I think. Um, yeah, so we will be back this week to obviously go over hopefully uh, a win at Ibrox in the quarterfinals against Livingston and looking forward to a semi-final draw in the League Cup and obviously to be uh, previewing the, the Aberdeen game this weekend. Um, the football keeps going thick and fast and we will be here to look at it all. Um, so join us again this week um, and thanks once again. <laughs>